Bonjour, date night family. It's Tony. And Brie. And as always, we're super, super excited to spend the day with you. Yes, and we've got super special pod, pod this week with two of the most genuine people you'll ever meet. Hint, he's a former Marine. Thank and you for your service. Another hint, she is the newest contributor at For the Gospel. Oh, thank you for your ministry. I like what you did there, <laughs> building the tension. Yes. <laughs> Watch out, world. Beautiful Brie is taking over the airwaves. Oh, no. This is going to be a fun one. Okay, so our special guest will be here in just a minute, but before we jump in, we wanted to say thanks to Cello Shredder. Is that how you say it? I think it is. I'm guessing he's a very good cello player. Cello Shredder shreds it on the cello. Get Love it? it. Yes. Oh, yeah. And well, he left a review and it says, I'm a single guy, but this show has been great as I consider marriage and continue to prepare for it. Oh, thank you, Cello Shredder. Keep up the great work. Well, Cello Shredder, that's blessed us because honestly, we've no idea what we're doing. <laughs> we're just trying to help people apply God's word to their life. So you're welcome. And we want to say thank you back because it's reviews like yours that make yes. this so much fun. Sir. So we've only got a minute here. Let me kind of give everyone a bit of background. This double day is super important because we're going to talk about a pretty controversial topic mm-hmm. uh, that's critical to having joy in the home. Okay, you ready? Here it is. Da-da-da-da-da. Biblical roles for hubby and wifey. Yes. And we got a couple here who's been there, done that. Literally, they're living this out in their home. Uh, but also he led the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. So this is going to be a good one with Grant and Grace Anna Woo-hoo! Castleberry. <laughs> <laughs> and after we're done, Brian, I'll share a few thoughts and provide a few resources. It's going to be a good one. And here they are now. Well, hello, hello, Team Castleberry. Look who is in the date night I guess it's not house, restaurant? Yeah. Studio? We're so, so happy to see you guys on screen. <laughs> it's good screen. to see you guys. <laughs> Man, we are so glad to be here and be able to sit down with y'all. This is such an exciting time for us as well. Yes, we're so glad to join y'all tonight. Okay, Grant, we got to get to the real serious things first. Has anybody ever called you Captain America before? <laughs> because every time I see a picture of you, you're yoked up. You got a great smile. You got your, you're a Marine. You got your boots, a Bible, and a flag. And then I heard, Grace Anna, you need to tell us if this is true, that that there actually was a little girl who went up and asked if he was Captain America for his autograph. Is that true? Yes, this was true. (laughs) And it wasn't his daughter. Story, please. How did this happen? Yeah. So I was was at a Ligonier conference and I was just walking around in the bookstore and a girl came up to me. She's probably 14, 15 years old. And she said, can I have your autograph? I said, why do you want my autograph? And she said, well, aren't you the guy who played Captain America? <laughs> and then I you said, flexed yeah. and you he's pulled out your shield. And he's at the Ligonier Conference. Hey, that's so. the ultimate Captain America right yeah, he's there. A reformed he's a reformed America. America. <laughs> so, okay, let's do official introductions for most people will know who you are, but for a few that don't, Grant, you're the senior pastor at Capital Community in Raleigh. Did I say it right? Raleigh? Raleigh. 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 <laughs> I don't know why I can't say it's so California to me. You're a Texas kid, yeah. former Marine Corps captain, attended Correct. Southwestern, doing nope. your doctorate Southern. on yep. Martin Lloyd-Jones. You led the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood for a while. Did you like go to the moons? Anything else we could add to that? Have you? <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Well, I've, That's I've quite, quite a resume. Do that. And then another story you told me is that last week at the gym, there were some young men who were throwing down their, they were doing like a, you know, bench press flies or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, they, they were throwing down the weights. They were kind of using the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. And you walked up and you told them. Not kind of. 
They, well, they're very much using yeah, I guess yeah, you either so. do or you don't. Yeah. So you want, Graciana, can you tell us that story? What did your husband do to these, these young men? Well, I was not there, but he did call me afterwards and said, I don't know if they're going to let me back at the gym. Okay, Grant, story please again. Captain America, what did you do with the gym? I was just just working out, minding my own business, and these these young bucks come into the gym, probably 18, 19, 20 years old, and and, uh, they're lifting weights, doing the dumbbells, and uh, they start, and it's not even that much weight, and they start throwing (laughs) the weights when they're done with their set rather than, you know, just putting them on the floor or, or racking the weights. And every time they throw the weights, they're saying, God's name in vain. And um, the first time I hear it, I kind of look over. A lot of people looked over because they were yelling it out. So it was pretty, it was pretty loud. It was, they were yelling it in the gym. And it happens second time. After it happens the second time, I said to myself, okay, if it happens again, I'm probably gonna have to to say something to them. So sure enough, happens again. And I go over and I was pretty steamed. I was pretty a little upset and okay. i said Fired one up. yep i said one you rack your weights when you're done you don't throw them on the floor <laughs> and two stop saying god's name in vain in the gym and then would you come to capital community and then did you and, know uh, you're a sinner yeah yes. yeah so um, oh yeah well, it's just, um, I love that Captain America is, is living it out everywhere he goes. Absolutely. <laughs> and Graciana, a little bit about you. You're a pastor's wife, homeschooling mama to four kiddos, the newest contributor at For the Gospel. And by the way, I just loved your recent video. And also a skilled blogger. The blog is www.castleberryhearts.com. Is that right? That's right. Though I definitely wouldn't call myself a skilled blogger. She I started is. that she years she ago. Is. That's, I, that's very apt, Bree. That was very good. And, and I, I do love to she's write. An excellent I writer. do love to write. Yeah. That I do love to That write. is wonderful. Beautiful. And then the real important stuff, Grant, I also heard you're a Louis L'Amour fan. Is that accurate? Oh, absolutely. Are I got to admit this to everyone. I flipped out when I heard that because as a kid, I grew up on Louis L'Amour. I grew up on all his books, you know, horses, not skylining yourself, good with a colt, you know, all that stuff. So like when I heard yeah. that, I was like, man, this is like my brother from another mother. This is cool. <laughs> and Grace Santa, you like Oreo ice cream and of yes. Green Gables and yes. pretty much anything written by Elizabeth Elliot, right? Yes. And yes, and you told us that your hubby got caught throwing acorns at cars when he was little. Is yes, that he true? Did. I did. <laughs> from, from trees, right? Yeah, so, so my trees? friend, I lived across the street from the elementary school, so it was a pretty busy road, and my friends would come over. We had two big oak trees in my yard, and we would climb up in the oak trees and throw acorns at the cars that, that went by, and we got pretty bold, and we at one point just abandoned the oak trees and just started throwing them from the yard, <laughs> and uh, cars started to stop, and, and we got, got in trouble. We got in trouble point. at that point. That's such a great story. I think my only bone to pick with you, buddy, is that you just got a cat because <laughs> you know those are the devil's minions. So I love the Captain America. I love the weightlifting, yeah. the sports. Hey, Tony, do you have a cat? I this love MLJ. What... I, I would never See, have a cat. So yes, I'm a dog guy. He said he would never have a cat. I'm a dog we guy. We have a cat. He loves this I cat. I do love Aww. this cat. Oh, this cat loves him. Yeah. So... I, I don't like, I started. I, I wasn't showing the cat any affection. I wasn't picking the cat up. Nothing. The cat would come and sleep on my feet. 
We went away for a weekend and Grant was at home with the cat. And all I know is when we came back, they had a special bond. She started following me around. She follows me around. So it is kind of. That happened to us as well. Tone, we got a new pup and we were all gone for the day. We came back and lo and behold, he's like, oh, you know, me and the pup don't have much to do with one another. He has her on his lap, totally (laughs) watching the show. He's like working on his sermon. You're ruining my rep. Nah, you're ruining my rep. This ain't true. This ain't true. Okay, so Team Castleberry, give us the dirt. How'd you meet? What's your love story? Give us the give, give us kind of oh, the man. the real the real. So yeah, that's like definitely that. a long and loaded story. So I'll try to tell the very shorter version. But some of y'all probably know that Grant's um, first dad passed away when Grant was two and a half. So his dad was in the Marine Corps, flew fighter jets, and his dad was out on a routine training mission, and the fighter jets lost sight of each other. And his dad was in crash and crashed. Yeah. yeah. And his dad and co-pilot um, were never found. So that crash happened in 1986, right off the coast of Beaufort, South Carolina. And his mom and uh, dad were living there at the time. And after the crash, Grant moved back to Texas with his mom. And four years later, my family moved to Beaufort, South Carolina, and my dad began pastoring the church that Grant's dad and mom had attended. Mm -hmm. And that was such a dramatic thing that had happened with the plane crash. You know, Beaufort is a military community that people were still talking about it. They still knew about it. Um, And they knew about, you know, Grant's parents' faith and his dad's faith. So my parents were very well aware of what had happened. And then a few years after that, Grant's grandparents gave a sum of money to the church in memory of his father. And my dad took that money and started a radio station. And when I was a little kid, I would go into the radio station when my dad was on the air. And I remember seeing this little plaque on the wall that said, in memory of Charles Kelly Castleberry, and this little photograph with a pilot and his wife and this little boy right outside of a fighter jet. And I really didn't think much of it as a kid. I just remember seeing it as, you know, decoration in that. Sorry. I did wonder, but I did look at it and think, I wonder who that little boy is. And, mm-hmm. but because I was so young at the time, it didn't really hit me. So fast forward, do you want to fast forward and tell about when we, yeah. Were- so we, uh, my, my father, since they never found his body, he has a memorial marker at the national cemetery at the Beaufort national cemetery. And I hadn't been back to visit, uh, since I was three years old. And this was after my junior year in high school. So I would have been 17 years old and our family drove all the way from Texas to South Carolina and visited my father's memorial marker. And, uh, we went to community Bible church, uh, on that Sunday, uh, Grace Anna's dad, Carl Brogy, preached for an hour on false teachers from the book of Jude. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, a very intimidating moment listening to, you know, just this, it was Bible exposition at its finest on, on, you know, false teachers. But anyway, so we, our families knew each other through the connection through the radio station. So our family went to lunch with the Brogies after church. And of course, I didn't, I didn't know that, that Carl had a daughter 
And I distinctly remember our family got to the the uh, the, the restaurant first. And I remember looking out into the parking lot and I distinctly remember Grace Anna walking up to the restaurant with her mom and just thinking, wow, that is a, a very pretty young lady that is coming up. I do remember she didn't look happy. Uh, to, to, she always says this. It was like, I was like, she's very... I was actually upset about another like relationship with a guy I had liked at the time. Sadly, yeah. that was happening. Yeah. But. So she came in and she also has four brothers who are with her, uh, two that are older, two that are younger. So I was hesitant to, to make a move. But, uh, but and, that's when we met. But that's when we and met. I do remember yeah. Grant looked very different than any other guy. Okay, that you got to explain that. <laughs> He was wearing a starched maroon shirt. I was wearing Texas attire. I was a wearing belt boots. Buckle boots. <laughs> yep. very boots. I was short wearing my hair. And I thought he's very Texan. Yep. You can <laughs> take the boy out of Texas, yeah. but not the Texas out of the boy, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. So I was wearing my boots and and my starched shirt and Little anyway. did we know that we were looking, you know, I was looking at my future husband and that at that moment in front of the drink machine. And I little did that. you know that you were looking at your future husband. You were looking back at the boy that you'd seen in those pictures. Had you ever, yeah. you hadn't put that together yet. So no. that would have all been like, no. you're talking, you're like, oh my goodness, no way. You guys have like, you know, like Top Gun in those, in those movies. You guys have like the real life one. That's incredible. I, what a story. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Only God, beautiful. only God could have written that story and we absolutely know that because there's really no reason just the way that that god knit our lives together was we can truly see that he had us for one another was so. there like a moment where grant you knew you're like this is the girl that i'm gonna marry do you remember that moment so after we ate lunch I was like, man, she seems really pretty. And if she's being discipled by that preacher, then she's got to be uh, on the right track. And uh, we, there was a picnic after church. I remember I was trying to kind of get close to her and get her attention or, you know, but I was probably too shy to just go up and 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 start a conversation. But I do, do remember trying to get close to her, but, you know, that didn't really... I just didn't realize that yeah. at the time. So. Yeah. So we actually didn't talk anymore uh, in that trip. And we reconnected on Facebook later. After college. Yeah. Oh, that is so of course. Years. Of course. Yeah. Like years. all good so relationships. They all but begin I, now. But I, always, <laughs> but I always kept her in the back of my mind. I would always, uh, you know, that that stayed with me. So wow. I but, love that. But yeah, I think pretty early on, Grant had sent me a message and it was the only message I've ever received that had the subject line, howdy. But pretty early on, you know, we had both dated different people in college and led, you know, just different lives, but God was doing a work in both of our lives. And so when we reconnected, he sent me that message and we started talking pretty early on we definitely sensed you know neither of us wanted to say it but we both sensed that you know this is the person i'm gonna marry so beautiful can you guys tell us a little bit about your family your kiddos yeah so we have four children and we had we've been married 13 years we had audrey kate about a year and a half in so she's 11 years old and 
We have a 10-year-old girl as well named Evangeline. And we have two boys named Charles, who's named after my father. So he's Charles Kelly Castleberry III. And then Patrick is our youngest, who's bringing up the rear at uh, three years old. And uh, they love coming up here to church. So we're up here at church right now. And they we, we keep candy stocked up here and, and, <laughs> and, and sugary sodas. <laughs> And they love coming up here to, to church. So almost every day when I'm leaving for church, Dad, can I come with you to church Aww. today? Yeah. Tell us about That's the church, great. about Capital. How did it get started? Yeah. How's it going? Yeah. So it's a 12-year-old church, and we're, we're literally right near downtown Raleigh. So we're right in the middle of the city. Uh, we have members that, that are, you know, here in Raleigh and commute in from, from other suburbs and and man, we're just trying to similar to you. I feel like just you know talking to you all the time. Like we're we're very similar in our methodology and our approach, and just trying to be faithful to the Word of God and disciple uh, men and women. We're trying to disciple families to 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 have better marriages and and raise their children in the fear of the Lord, and and uh, you know just speak the truth in love and 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 be faithful. So that's that's what we're doing, and and God's blessing that. And, and we're seeing that and, and change lives. Uh, I disciple men at the church. We have this thing, you know, I were talking about called the Shepherd Society uh, meets once a week. And I've got 30, 33 guys coming to talk uh, theology, but not just theology, but application and, and how to how to disciple their families and how to disciple other men. So that's incredible. Uh, just, yeah, just seeing. And isn't Grace Anna? You guys are doing a women's ministry where you're memorizing or going through the Bible. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so we have various, several various women's ministries, but one of the ones that um, I lead is we read through the Bible together every year, mm-hmm. and that's been an amazing experience to do. And so we encourage one another. Um, and there are some, you know, discipleships groups within that where women meet. So it's just been exciting. It's always exciting to just watch the truth at work. Yeah. And you just can just sit back and put complete confidence in the word of God and and not for one second in ourselves. That is so good. What a perfect transition. So thank you guys for being willing to tackle such an important subject. So if listeners don't know yet, it's going to be roles in marriage, specifically male and female roles, husband and wife. Certainly a topic that grows increasingly controversial by the day. Uh, but I can't think of a couple more qualified to talk about this, certainly because of the work you've done with the, the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, but also because of how Christ has built your home, right? Amen. So for starters, for our date night fam who's new to all this, are you guys willing to give us kind of an overview, uh, kind of a primer on biblical roles? Like how would you, like if you were meeting someone for the first time and saying, hey, here's what we've learned from God's word and here's how our home operates, um, how would you describe kind of a complementarian view of biblical roles. Well, how about I go and then maybe you could talk about some practical stuff, but you know, with anything, it's important to go back to the the scriptures and not just give your own opinion. Right. So it's not just, Oh, this is what, what we think, but it's what, what God has said and how God has, has organized the family. And so when you look back at Genesis chapter two, God creates Adam from the dust of the ground, breathes into his nostrils, the breath of life. Um, and God tells Adam, and this is before Eve's created, you know, you're not supposed to eat of the 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God gives Adam commands. Uh, God tells Adam to work and keep the garden. So God uh, gives Adam a mission. Um, and then um, God decides to bring Adam a helper, a companion, and he brings all the animals to Adam. And in that process, Adam sees the animals come and the, and the animals come male and female, right? There's, there, there's similar to how God brought the animals to Noah on the ark. God brings the animals to Adam and God sees a pair of male and or Adam sees a pair of male and female. So he knows he's probably supposed to have a, a companion from that, but a, a helper is not found uh, obviously amongst the animals. And so God causes a deep sleep to come upon Adam. And it's interesting that Hebrew word that that is used that Moses uses to describe that sleep is a near death sleep. It's not just, oh, I you know fell asleep after watching the football game. It's a it's almost a comatose sleep. And then God creates the woman from his side. And uh, God God brings the woman to Adam as the Hebrew word is Ezer, which means a helper. And and that's that's Eve's role. Adam names Eve and her roles to be Adam's helper. How does how is Eve supposed to, to help Adam? Well, she's supposed to help him. One, Adam was supposed to take dominion of the earth. And to do that, you need people. So she was supposed to help him with uh, bearing children. And secondly, she was she was uh, to help him. Uh, with the beautification of the garden, with uh, with with that dominion uh, role of coming alongside him, and um, and, and making making things more domesticated. Hmm. So that's that's Eve's role. So there's a little bit of a, a difference in, in in roles. Adam is to work and keep. Adam's to to provide, and Eve is to be his helper, and and bear children. And of course, we see in the New Testament, Paul says, you know, younger women are to be uh, workers at home, uh, basically raising raising the children. So older women are to teach the younger women, Paul says in, in 1 Timothy, to love their children and to uh, to be workers at home. So, and, and all of that, specifically in the garden, that's before the fall, before sin. And so that's God's original design, even when things are yeah right yeah so that's god's original design and it was and god said this is very good mm -hmm. it's not um the the role of the the woman even though she's submissive to her husband's leadership uh is not a, a role of inferiority it's not that she's a, a doormat um it's not um that she's less valuable. You know, I had to submit to a lot of people in the, in the military, a lot of uh, leaders that were higher ranking than me. That didn't mean that I was, that I was uh, less of a person or, or uh, inferior in worth. It just meant in terms of the order of how we functioned uh, that I was to uh, submit to their leadership. And within the, within the marriage, uh, Adam is given that headship, that lead, that, that role of being a leader, but it's not to be, uh, a domineering leader. It wasn't to uh, to uh, to to rule Eve with an iron fist. It was to be uh, a leader that we find out in Ephesians chapter five mirrors uh, the relationship that Christ has to the church. It's a it's a uh, a servant leadership. Uh, Paul says that the husband is to to love his wife and give himself up for her, just like Christ does the church. So that's the type of leadership we're talking about. And then in return. And in response, the uh, the the wife 
is called to submit to her husband's leadership. And that's the companionship that that is described in, in the scriptures. And it's like you just said, Tony, it's it's all before the fall. It's good. It's how it's how God designed it. And when you get that right, there is such flourishing and there's vibrancy. And and, um, you know, you within that framework, that doesn't mean that it's a it's a rigid system. Obviously, there's some things that Grace Anna does better than I do. And there's there's things that I do better than her. We, we often joke that I'm her spiritual leader. And well, and, I call him my spiritual yeah, advisor, yeah, spiritual, <laughs> yeah, spiritual advisor. Yeah. And that she and that she's my life coach. Your life yes, coach. So we, okay. Yeah, so we it's, have, a, it's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. But <laughs> is she the one who trained you in the gym, Captain? Is that where you, you got the guns, the pipes? I wish. <laughs> so Grace, Grace Anna, you did a video um, on for the gospel on on the submission. Um you know, from a wife's side, what's what's that like? You know, like the economic subordination, the idea you're one in essence, but there's this functional role that God has given. Can you kind of tease that out for us a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think First and foremost, it's always so important for Christian women to know that whenever we are obedient to God's word, it's ultimately to be in obedience to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so that is my ultimate motivation is not, oh, so that we'll have a great marriage or so that things will function better at home or so that he'll be happy or I'll be happy. It's that I know when I obey God's word, I am honoring him. And so I think that is just so pivotal for women to understand that we're not we're not over God's word. We're under it. We want to be obedient to it. And that's so hopeful, too, for women who are having to submit in a in a, in a difficult situation. So um, I think that's so important. But I just think, too, that that understanding of the framework of marriage and the roles, I really don't know where I would be without it. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine the past, you know, 13 years of our marriage and without knowing the things that God has called me to. So I think it's just so important as Christian men and women, and especially I'm speaking to wives here, to know that God's called us to not, not just, you know, be Christians, but he's called us to be a woman and to have, um, to be wives. And that's a special calling and it's a unique role. And it's one that only we can fill. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I'm just I'm so thankful for, for the truth. So good. And obviously all of that is markedly different from modern culture. How would you help people learn to accept God's way versus what they've seen growing up? Yeah, I think that's that's hard because so much of what we see growing up is what we naturally model, and it's really hard to get it out of our systems, mm-hmm. right? I mean, even when you know the truth, you just end up copying what you've seen. So I think that's why you really do saturate yourself in the truth. You try to memorize God's word. You try to be around uh, godly families and couples and see see it modeled, and then just you know, I think it's important, you know, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's hopeful to think that that term, you know, to, is metamorphic. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's hopeful to know that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be changed. And so when I'm looking at an area of my life where I see sin dominating, I'm the, whole, the scriptures give me hope that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can walk in obedience to the word. And so I think just being, um, you know, encouraged by that and not just thinking I have to do things the way the world does it. 
you know. Oh, that's so good. So mm-hmm. let me go ahead and throw an Oprah quote at you guys. You ready for this? Because it just fits. Okay. <laughs> okay. Earlier this year, here was her response. Um, and it really fits the spirit of the age perfectly. She said, quote, I didn't really want marriage. Um, I wanted to be asked. I wanted to know he felt that I was worthy. But I didn't really want the sacrifices, the compromises, the day in and day out commitment required to make it work, end quote. What would your response mm. be to Oprah? Talk to us. Mm. Well, marriage is God's design from the beginning. It's uh, you, you don't have a family a true family without a marriage. I know our culture says, oh, you know, it's it's a modern family. It's it's a mixed match. It's whatever you want it to be. And that's simply not true. Uh, the family is the first institution that God establishes and God establishes it with marriage. Hmm. So this is God's design and it's and it's good. And it's God's way of having companionship. And so, yes, there is a sacrifice in marriage, but you're always going to have a sacrifice with love, right? Oh, like if good. you really love someone. I got to pause. Hold on. <laughs> you just dropped a bomb right there. That was so good. So can, can you say that again, that last line? You're always going to have a sacrifice with love because with love comes boundaries. Mm-hmm. That's what the marriage covenant is all about. When you are professing your love for your wife, you're also forsaking all others. So that's, those are boundaries that you are entering into. That's, that's sacrifice. That's responsibility. Uh, when you enter a covenant, that's what marriage is. Uh, you're entering into all those things. But because of that, that's where you find the, the greatest love. You can't have uh, your cake and eat it too, right? You, mm. if, if you want the love, you have to have a marriage. And, and of course, that's why the the LBGTQ community was clamoring to have gay marriage. Yep. Obviously, it's not the real thing. It's it's an artificial uh, replacement or mimic of it. Uh, but they realized that the essence of true covenant love is found in marriage. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't enough just to, you know, to, to say, oh, well, we have same-sex unions. No, they want to baptize what they're doing in the same language of what, what God has established in the beginning. Come on. That Thank is so you for good. that. Would you be willing to take us into the Castleberry Castle? How does rural clarity look <laughs> different today than say when you got married? Ooh, well, I think it's changed because we've had more kids and they are growing up. And so, you know, when you first get married, you're, it's just the two of you and you're able to like flesh out those roles a bit easier. And then the challenges come with children and all of those things. Kids complicate things. But uh, one thing that that I think I'm realizing more and more, um, ultimately, the husband, obviously, I don't have time. I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm busy, just like just like you are, Tony. So I don't have time to to uh, educate the children. Uh, she's she primarily does does all the the homeschool stuff, and of course, we use CC and other outside resources. But just because I'm not primarily doing it doesn't mean that I'm not responsible for it. Mm. And so I think that's you know, as you're thinking, you know this is what I've learned and what I would say to other, other husbands out there is that you're responsible for everything within your home, even if you're not primarily the one doing it. It's not like I can just hand off uh, the responsibility. I might delegate 
the the work to her and but but what that means is is that we come together in our you know these education decisions uh ultimately i need to know what's going on and i need to be able to decide uh what what to do and 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 some of the discipline problems that that happen during the day she's pinging in with me hey what do you think and i might need to when i come home uh handle those situations so that's that's one way that you know as we've had children i think that we've kind of learned to flesh out so the, the teacher's teaching the class but the principal's coming home yeah <laughs> I that's what Marie tells name our kids is the principal when i fill out that form every year yeah we feel right. but but I, I will say too that for me and this even st started when we got married but i knew that we were a team mm -hmm. you know i love that back in genesis or grant talked about adam and eve had this mission together and so I think sometimes wives can feel isolated because they think, oh, I'm home doing this. My husband is doing this. We're doing two separate things. And the culture is very good at making, you know, you feel like, oh, he's doing this important work and I'm over here not doing this important work. But from scripture, we know that we're a team mm -hmm. and that perspective of knowing that we're a team. I know that when Grant is doing ministry, that I am a part of that because of what I'm doing at home. And when I'm doing ministry at home, he's a part of that because we're doing this and we're in this together. And so that has radically shaped what we do and how I feel about my calling. And, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to, to be able to do that. Um, and it has its absolute challenges. But I think knowing that at the end of the day that we're in it together. So could you could you speak to that a little bit? That is such a common experience, especially for people who are doing it right. And you have husband, he's out protecting, providing. You got wife at home, she's doing the homeschooling thing. The secular culture says you're just a homemaker. And, and really, how do you cultivate what you just shared? That level of we're a team, we're mm -hmm. doing this together. How do you cultivate that together? For a young couple who's listening going, we feel a little bit bifurcated. How could they cultivate that unity? I think I obviously there's stuff that I deal with at the church that's confidential or, or just Grace Anna doesn't. I don't need to, to worry her with with an issue. But I do talk to her so much about life and, and ministry and, and how God is is using the word. And then she also comes alongside me, uh, in, in the work and, and helps disciple other women, uh, as she talked about earlier. So she certainly is a partner with me and uh, a sounding board for me as I'm, you know, as I'm facing different, uh, trials and, and issues and all of those things. She's my best friend and, mm. and, uh, certainly walks with me and we often pray together. I can't tell you how many hours we spent praying together, uh, about those things. And then likewise, uh, I'm coming alongside her in in her responsibilities, uh, taking, taking dominion of our home and, you know, how many conversations do we have about taking dominion of our home and, and the things, trying to you know, and I, yeah, trying to take dominion and, you know, I've, I've got a long list of things that I, that I need to, to do. And, and, uh, but yeah, I think that communication is crucial and in including the other, including one another and, in, in our different spheres of work. So yeah, hands aren't off. Just, yeah. Confronting your mindsets constantly too, with the truth, you know, because I'll, 
I've often felt this way and I'll have women talk to me of, you know, I'm struggling at home and I, I will encourage them with, you know, just what other women have encouraged me with of, okay, confront that feeling with the truth. And then maybe you do need to sit down with your husband, obviously, and talk about your schedules and your life. And all of those are important conversations. But I think too, going back to knowing as well that, um, God has called you if you're a woman to be your husband's helper. And so, you know, thinking through not just, oh, I'm doing this at home on my own, but how, how am I helping him? How are we working together? So, okay. So Grace, Anna, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Grant, Uh you can answer this too. So there's, Uh there's a woman out there and she's saying, you know, yeah, that's easy for you guys to say you got the handsome husband and he's captain America. And you know, I'm out here, I'm, I'm barefoot in the kitchen or whatever they say. So my story is different than yours because my husband doesn't treat me with the same kind of respect Mm -hmm. that yours does. What would you say to her? I mean, I would say that goes back to what I said before. Uh, Ultimately, everything you do isn't about your husband. It's about glorifying God. And so that's why you can walk in obedience. And I think that's especially important to for husbands and wives is that you always want to cultivate your relationship more with the Lord. He's your first person, you know, that your primary relationship that you should be growing and striving in. And so if you are um, whatever role you're in, but if you're home with your kids, make sure that your time in the word is an absolute priority, even if it looks really crazy and bizarre. Like my Bible has like spaghetti sauce all over it, you know, like just make it happen and make sure that you, you know, and, and I have several friends, one friend who is married to an unbeliever and she is walking this out mm-hmm. and it is, it is not easy and she wishes it were different, but she loves the Lord the most. Okay, Grant, same question for you. Let's just picture right now, there's a brother out there. He's uh, getting home late from work. He's rolling in. He's tired. He, he doesn't really want to take care of the kids and really spend a lot of time with his wife. So he tends to click on, you know, throw on ESPN, throw on Sports Center, and he's 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 kind of frustrated. My wife doesn't respect me; she doesn't listen to me. You know, what would you tell that brother about a way to kind of get out front and start leading the home the way God wants him to? So I, I would say one that you need to not be passive. So if you're coming home and you're just turning on ESPN and you're kind of tuning out to your family's needs, then you're very you're you're very much taking a passive stance where you need to be game on. When you come home, you know, sometimes I get in the driveway and I'm dead tired, I'm exhausted, and I'm like, okay, now the work starts right now. And I need it, it's almost like a pep talk as I'm coming <laughs> through coming through the garage. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's you know, it is game on right now. Even and Captain America is, gets you know, tired. America. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I do take a nap. He does. So take like a, a five minute, minutes, please. five fifteen minute power nap, and I'm like, okay, now I'm game on. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but you know, I would say, look, it, if you start honoring the Lord, that's what it's about. You 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 be the right type of husband where uh, you are leading your family. You are proactively discipling your children. You're shepherding your wife. You're you're serving her. You uh, you take how you wash your feet, uh, symbolically speaking, uh, you start being the man and then Lord willing, uh, she'll respect you and Lord willing, she'll submit to your leadership. 
but you lead well before the Lord. You lead as a man that's accountable to God. And, uh, you know, if your wife's not willing to submit to you, God sees that. God knows. And uh, you just leave that to him. You know, pray, pray mm -hmm. for her uh, that she will respond well and uh, leave it in leave it in the Lord's court because you can't make her submit to you and respect you. So um, good. That's so that's good. A, that's a command that God gives to wives. Uh, Paul says, "Wives submit to your own husbands in the Lord." So he doesn't say, "Husbands make your wives submit to you in the Lord." So you <laughs> got you got to leave that in her court and and let the Holy Spirit do His work with her. So be a model, lay down your life for, her, and then trust the Holy Spirit to, to and help pray, her pray, 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 pray that she'll come and and res, you know re, respond and, and respect your leadership. Oh, that is so good. Okay, so let's try to take that and use it as a diving board into some really practical uh, answers. Uh, we hear from so many of our date night listeners, and they they message us all the time who've lived a secular life. They were born again. The Lord's doing a radical work in their life, but they're they're still steeped in their old marital habits. So I would love to try to help them chart a new path kind of towards God's design. And maybe we could start with the wives. Um, so I don't know if you guys would be willing to jump in and help the wives who are hearing this for the first time. What would be just some really practical steps like the next few days that a wife could do uh, to kind of begin stepping more towards God's design? Obviously get in the word, uh, really go to Ephesians 5 and begin memorizing, like you mentioned, some of those, as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. Um, are there any other practical steps that she could be doing? Well, I'm going to like repeat what you just said, because I, at first I just really think we can get overwhelmed with, okay, I want to be a godly wife. I need to do all of these, all of these things or all of these steps. And really it is so important what you just said, Tony, of, okay, let me just focus first on the basics. I am going to be committed to the local church and I'm mm -hmm. going to show up and I'm going to serve. And I'm, even if you're an introvert or, or you know, crowds uh, are difficult for you, of I'm going to show up and I'm going to be there. And I say that because it's so important as wives, because that is where you're going to see so much begin to be modeled from other women and husbands and families. You know, I think about the women that I talk to each week in the nursery and in the halls of, of my kids' classes. So I think that's so important at the basics of being committed to the local church, being committed to prayer of, okay, Lord, I want to grow as a wife. I don't know where to start, but I, I want to. And just being really honest with the Lord. Hmm. And it's so encouraging because we know that God promises to answer the prayers that are according to his will. So is it God's will for you to be a godly wife and to love your husband and, and to begin building habits? Absolutely. So you can pray with such a confidence. What about um, a book? Is there a book oh, yeah. that you recommend and you go, that's the one, that's the gold mine? I mean, I think Let Me Be a Woman is just a great uh, starting point. By Elizabeth Elliot. By Elizabeth Elliot. Awesome. So I think it's just, you know, it was written um, a long time ago. So there are some like sentences in there that sound a little wooden and, and off. But if you can kind of just focus on the truth there, um, it is so practical. There are just some jewel chapters in there where she gives really, really practical advice for wives. So, And for the husbands, kind of been taking their cues from culture. Grant, what are some ways that men can just practically in the next couple of days start stepping into their God-ordained role? 
Well, I would begin one with just understanding biblical authority. I think, you know, all of this is, is something that is, is the foundational presuppositional point is that, are you willing to submit your life to the word of God hmm. Amen. and under, and under God's Lordship, you know, and, and I think a lot of guys buck against that, you know, I'm going to do things my way. I'm, I, I, this is how my, my old man did it. This is how I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to have, you know, this on the side, I'm going to do it this way. So the key, the key thing is, are you willing to submit to the Lordship of Christ? And if you are, then it's easy because then you can pick up the word of God and say, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to love her uh, regardless of, of how she acts towards me. I'm, I'm to love her with, with a covenant of love. I'm to be faithful to her. I'm going to, to have my eyes for her only. I mean, obviously that's a huge one in the church uh, with, with guys that are struggling with, with pornography and, and lust and all sorts of things that I'm going to be covenantally faithful to my wife my eyes are going to be for her and I am going to try to be the best man of God and, and the best leader of my family that I can possibly be. So it could be, you know, it's Gracie and I have been talking recently about what uh, she, she mentioned to me that, to this the other day called the 1% rule. How can I be 1% better in a certain area? <laughs> so it doesn't have to be okay overnight. I'm going to, you know, I'm turning into, into the <laughs> apostle Paul it's what what is one thing that I can do better to be a better servant around the house? Maybe it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up my my clothes off the floor. I'm gonna hang up my my suit when I get home from work. I'm going to be more intentional about about leading the 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 kids at, when I come home and getting them into bed. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna do family devotions. Uh, every night right after dinner and and I'm gonna lead in that and and I'm gonna be intentional about pursuing my wife in this area. So it, it's not big strides. It's how can I what's something that I can do better? How how can I be more like Christ and and submit to his authority? And if like Grace Anna just said, if you begin praying that God help me be a better leader, help me be a better uh, a father to, to my children. I guarantee you, God is going to to show you that. And, and if you're in his word, he's going to convict you. Uh, the Holy Spirit will convict you. And, and he's going to, to show you those ways. And also, I'm sure your wife is going to point out some of those ways that you could be a better leader. I'm not, the Lord you know, will use your wife. Yeah. So um, I once heard Alistair Begg say that every pastor needs a wife if for no other reason than to keep him humble. So, oh, you know, your you wife, go. Your wife is going to, you know, shine a light on some of those blind spots that you might have. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you can uh, take some of those cues as well. Amen to that. Yes. I love the 1% because then it's not overwhelming. It's what's, what's something I can, small, I could be working on. And yeah. Which is, that. it's even motivating because that's coming from Captain America himself. So <laughs> if even Captain America has to grow 1% uh, and the rest of us, <laughs> we can do it too. Right. Well, I was thinking about that list wow. you gave and I thought that sounds a lot more than 1%. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. you know, it's just, it, I, no, but I, I totally 1% in any of those things. Exactly. Yeah. Those things. Yeah. Just giving oh, examples of where you could. Yeah, I've got to say, there it is, that feedback right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have got to say, yeah, she's helping you right now. I, I think just in general, that list that you gave right there, there's going to be a lot of guys 
uh, and wives too, who are going to, who are going to pause and then they're going to go back and they're going to listen to that mm-hmm. again, because that was just the preacher coming out of you and, and the Holy spirit was moving. I think we all were blessed by that. So thank you brother for reeling that off. Thanks, brother. Um, so real quick, I have a question for you. We sometimes do, and this is totally optional to you on our date night. Cause we're technically together. We're supposed to be out in the town having fun. Um, we do like a, a bullet round where we, we just throw out a few questions, random questions or, or thoughts towards you. And then we kind of get your response on them. Are you willing to do one of those or is that too risky? Cause yeah. you have no yeah. idea what we're going to ask. We could ask we're here anything. for the fun <laughs> for the pod. Yeah. I think you said pod. All right. So what we're going to do is we are going to, let's see, do we have an applause button for this, Ethan? Do we have one? Okay. What we're going to, Oh, Hey, there it is. Okay. <laughs> So after each one of these, if they do a good job on their answers, E, we can give them a big round of applause. That's that's good. That's enough. Okay. That was like the Super Bowl. All right. So I'm going to kick it off. Do you want me to kick it off? Yeah. You kick it off? Go for and it. And then you guys just throw out the very first thing that comes to mind. I'm going to start. You ready? Yes. Okay. Three, Wait, two. Wait, which one of us speaks first? You, any well, one of you. One. Anyone. Well, okay. he- headship, you probably should go first, but <laughs> okay. depends right. how dominant she's feeling today. <laughs> Okay. And we're just we're just supposed to say whatever comes to our mind. Whatever comes to mind. You ready? Okay. Texas Longhorns. Awful. Ooh. Vomit. <laughs> I knew that was coming. In case people don't know, you're you're an AM Aggie, right? I am. So why don't I throw yeah. out Kyler Murray? Mm. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, he, here's he, the- he watched out at AM. Yeah, he, yeah. He really he's having a tough run. He's having a tough yeah. run. He can't last. He's too small. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm gonna say last name right. Ron DeSantis. I, I like Ron DeSantis. Uh I think I think I think there's uh, some, some, uh, some potential there. Thanks, E. Grace Anna, no comment? Uh Martha's Vineyard, was that? No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah we well, like that move. Nailed it. Nailed I mean, that it. That was brilliant. All right, I got to ask this one just because if I didn't, then it, it would ruin the whole pod. Captain America. <laughs> just say me, Grant. Just say me. No, no comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth Elliot. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. I, I, I wish I wish we were raising up a generation of Elizabeth oh, Elliot. Yes. And Amy Carmichael's. That's... I. I I don't want to raise up lady preachers. I want to raise up real women of God. Amen. Uh, that's got it. We got to post that. I don't want to raise up lady <laughs> preachers. I want to raise up women of God with the Texas accent too. So um, how about how about this? I'm just making them up now on the fly. How about this one? How about Capital Community Church? Mm. Mm. Man, uh, we want Capital to be the uh, loveliest place. Dustin Bench came out here a few weeks ago and, and and did some messages on his book, The Loveliest Place. And that's what we want this place to be, a place mm-hmm. where it's a it's we want it to be a, a just a, a place where people find safety amidst the storm of of our secular culture, mm-hmm. where Christ is worshipped and where uh, people meet with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God's people just come yep. to mind. Just exactly. dear people who love the Lord. Yep. Yeah. Amen. How about the last one, Christ? Mm. Humbled. Mm. Thankful. Compassionate. Um, I, I I preached on Christ's priesthood last Sunday, and I, I just I, I've been so affected by 
that Robert Murray McShane quote where he said, if I knew Christ was praying for me in the next room, I wouldn't fear uh, 10,000 enemies, hmm. but he is. So the distance makes no difference. Amen. And that thought, that thought of Christ interceding for us and that he cares for us, hmm. um, that's, that's a, a mind-blowing thought. Uh, but it's true. That's the truth, that, that the Lord Jesus uh, loved me and gave himself up for me, so how can I not give my life to him? Hmm. Amen. Well, I cannot think of a better way to close than that. I got to say, the word that comes to mind when I think about you both is, is above reproach. Um, or the words, you know, your, your, your training, your ministry, your home, your marriage, and, and even your words. They're so God-honoring. And I feel like the first time that we met, it was out here. Um, I know Bree feels the same. It was just an instant kinship, and our hearts were, were knit together. And we truly counted a blessing to call you friends. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt, I have no doubt, just from the little time that we've gotten to know you, uh, that Capital is going to continue to grow, um, and it is going to shine as a bright lampstand. Um, throughout North Carolina and, and the rest of the world. Um, yeah, and I'd like to just say thank you for being willing to take time out of your busy lives. Know the entire date night family has been blessed. Tone and I have been so blessed, and um, so thank you so much. Well, this was such a fun double date. Can we do it again? Yes, please. We absolutely can. Ethan, let's give them a big round of applause. Well, my love, it's time to go get in our old 19, no, 2006 yes. Toyota Tacoma. It's a little beat up these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun. I absolutely enjoy and love hanging out with, with the Castleberries. Me too. I feel like I've had a full five course meal truth. Yeah. Truly, truly Absolutely. Incredible. So what's the big takeaway for you as a, as a woman? It sounds basic, but just coming back to the simple reality that my role is reverence and respect, that uh, Christ is exalted when I honor and affirm your headship Mm -hmm. and look for ways to encourage and compliment you with my gifts and abilities. That's just so opposite of the world and my unredeemed flesh, where I want to be critical or focus on your shortcomings or... My shortcomings? None at all, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) What what shortcomings? (laughs) But even just that usurping, you know, Mm -hmm. and it all comes back to my focus on Christ. He's the perfection. Um, My union is with him and in him I'm perfectly loved and have everything I could ever need. So rather than being that tripping faucet, you know, that Proverbs speaks of, mm-hmm. I want to showcase respect and look for ways to compliment you. Like the old Richard Baxter wrote, draw out the fragrance of good in your husband and then you shall find your faulty spouse will appear more pleasant. I, I want to do that. And I just, I was so encouraged by so you're saying that words. I smell bad. Is that what Baxter <laughs> said? <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. What I, about you? I, oh, it's easy. I think the reminder is I've got to lay my life down. You know, the authority or in quote right that I'm given as a husband is to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's to die. And Christ modeled that. So just in every area, the time I get up, how I hit my knees, how I study the word, how I respond under pressure, how I provide food, how I take you out, how I look in your eyes, how I sense your needs or stay up late, model mm-hmm. for the kids, serve the church. I mean, everything Thank that Grant you. said. It is a real death to self if you're going to be God's man. And I think 
Um, two great books that we'd recommend. There's, there's, a, there's so many great books out on this subject, but two kind of historically good ones are The Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott and mm-hmm. The Excellent Wife by Martha Peace. I know yes. that both of those are, are, are big recommendations for us. So Amen. if anyone out there is listening and going, hey, this is new for us, where do we start? Uh, grab one of those two books. Again, The Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott or The Excellent Wife by Martha Peace. Well, we're out of time. Should we go ahead and pray? Yes. Let's do it. Lord, what a day. Thank you for the Castleberries and their life of service, their example of righteousness, and their willingness to share heaven's truth with us. Help us, our entire date night family, to obey your word and to live out our roles, being men who leap a sacrifice, being wives who respect and revere, and please raise up the next generation to be Christ-exalting, Bible-living, truth-proclaiming soldiers of your great name. We ask this in that great name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll see you in a week. Thanks to Team Castleberry for the gospel, the wonderful people of Mission Bible Church, and you, our entire date night fam. Send us a message, leave us a review, keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family. Captain America, out. Love you.